and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Magazine, and we're here today with Jay Conrad Levinson. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing just fine. I'm glad we've connected. I look forward to the time we spend together. Well, thank you very much. We're very excited to have Jay, uh, Mr. Jay Levinson uh, with us. Uh, I'll just call you Jay, if that's okay. I hope you'll do that. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, for those who don't know Jay, and I don't think just about anybody in the world doesn't, I'll still, uh, I'll still introduce you, Jay. Uh, Jay Conrad Levinson is the father of Guerrilla Marketing and the author of Guerrilla Marketing series of books. Um, it's probably the <laughs> best-known marketing brand in, in history uh, with over 20 million, 21 million sold in uh, over 62 languages around the world, uh, and your required reading, I understand, in MBA programs worldwide. Um, you, are, you went to school at the University of Colorado, and you studied psychology, which led you into advertising, um, which uh, led you to a couple different firms, um, and then you ended up teaching guerrilla marketing for about 10 years at the uh, University of California in Berkeley. Well, that's a, that's a fun school. Um, it was. Still is. Still is. And uh, for many of you that don't know Jay um, and his marketing background, you may know uh, household names like Marlboro Man, the Pillsbury Doughboy, Allstate's Good Hands, United's Friendly Skies, the Sears Die Hard Battery, Morris the Cat, Mr. Clean, Tony the Tiger, and the Jolly Green Giant, and, and so so much more. Um, Mr. Le uh, I'm, I want to say it again. Jay, uh, first, and thank you so much. I'll, I'll know if you say Mr. Levinson. You're still asking <laughs> this question with me, so I'll answer it. Okay. So, Jay, um, again, I appreciate you coming on today because I know you're a very busy guy. Um, and so, we're, like I said, we're excited to have you today to talk about a few things, and that is obviously guerrilla marketing and, uh, and, uh, and the books and, and what you've been doing, but also about uh, one of the uh, things we're very excited about, and that's uh, Bob Bear's More Power Live. Uh, he just wrote a book called More Power, and he's going to have his first conference, a live conference, and you're going to be the keynote speaker there. Is that right? That's true in Dallas. I'm looking forward to that. I think he's got a lot to say. Yeah, you're going to be there with a lot of great speakers. Uh, you're doing the keynote uh, speech. Um, what do you think? Do you know what you're going to be talking on yet? Oh, I, I never get the same talk twice because marketing is changing so fast and guerrilla marketing is changing even faster. So I'm just going to bring people up to speed as to what's happening in marketing these days. And um, things that were hot a few months ago aren't so hot right now. And things that no one heard of a few months ago are incredibly hot now. So I'm going to try to talk about current state of marketing and how to do it best, which means ways that result in the highest profits for you. Well, that's great because uh, originally, I, I guess the tenant of uh, guerrilla marketing was no cost or low cost advertising or promotions with an emphasis on profit, not sales. What is, what is profit, not sales? Well, if you sell something but it costs you a lot of money to sell it because you're giving a, a high commission to your salespeople or you're traveling all over to reach your, your customer, that means that even though they gave you a lot of money for the, what you sold them, it costs you a lot of money to get to them and make the sale. So what's your leftover with after you've spent that money are your profits? And the, your profits are the only thing that really counts because we know a lot of companies, I know a lot of companies, who'd set sales records by selling the most in their history, but they lost money during the process. And that's no way to run a business, to lose money every time you make a sale. So guerrilla marketing says the only way to keep score, the only way to keep track, the only way to really be honest is to keep track of your profits, what's left over after you've made the sale. And I think a lot of companies go off the deep end because they don't understand that. They think it's all a matter of sales or store traffic or it's to their website. And it's not that at all. It's how much money is left over after you've made a sale. And rural marketing preaches 
ways to do it where it's not going to cost you much money to make that sale. In other words, you get the most for your marketing investment. You get the most profits. And guerrilla marketing also means, and the reason it's called guerrilla, it means going after the conventional goals of being in control of your own destiny and earning a lot of money and having joy and balance in your life uh, using which are the conventional goals, using unconventional means, which means not by advertising, that's way mm-hmm. too expensive, by doing other things, such as what we're doing right now, being a guest on JW's show or um, writing articles for other people's websites or talking, uh, speaking at uh, the many clubs who would love to have you as as a guest speaker. They're just in the the guerrilla marketing books. Gosh, there's 104 of them now. In the guerrilla marketing books, we list a lot of marketing weapons that people can use and always more than half of those weapons are free. Wow. I thought you only wrote 27. you got 104 books now? Yeah, well, of the books that I've co-authored and the books that I've authored, it comes to 104 now. Yes. Which I you must be one of the most prolific authors out there today. I, I know that my marketing books are the best-selling marketing books in history, and I know that... Um, one of the few authors you'll ever meet who does not understand the vast majority of books he's written because he's in <laughs> 63 languages. And like a, a typical American, I speak one language. <laughs> well, I know you, you travel the world. Do you have any problem with language or uh, when you speak? No, thank heavens I don't because almost everybody else seems to speak English regardless of whether I'm in Latvia or, or Lithuania, or if I'm in Japan, uh, they all seem to speak English. And, of course, in, in places like Australia and uh, you know, Scotland, they do. But I seem to have no trouble with the language uh, because although my wife travels with me and she's not bilingual, she does speak sign language. <laughs> uh-huh. we've, we've rarely needed that. Uh, <laughs> this, this, if, what do they call a person who speaks three languages, they call them multilingual, and if they speak two languages, they're called bilingual, and if they speak one language, they're called an American. And uh, (laughs) that's the category that I fall into. They seem to expect, wherever I go, that I don't speak their language. It's a point of embarrassment. I wish I spoke their languages, but I don't. But I'm finding that I don't have to because they're learning to speak my language. Well, you speak the one language we all uh, can uh, adhere to, and that is the language of business. Yes, this is very definitely, nobody will question that, it's the language of business. And I guess Chinese is catching up slowly, but even in China, they know that English is the language of business worldwide. Well, let me, let me talk about something. You brought it up, and that is, you know, and that is, you kind of alluded to the fact that when you're selling that you're uh, – or you're promoting, uh, you're not so into the numbers. It's not a big number thing with you. When you were talking about profits over sales, this you're not saying a lot of people believe that more numbers, more numbers, more numbers. And one of the things I like about your books, you talk about relationships. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, I think that um, people who focus on numbers aren't going to be very good at marketing because marketing is mainly about people. Uh, and, and, and not about numbers. You've got to have a person in your company who understands the numbers. But if you're right. running the company, if you found it, if, if you've got the vision and if you've got the passion, numbers are pretty unimportant. And what is important are people, and people means relationships. And that's what guerrilla marketing is all about. It's like um, if you meet somebody and you like the way they look and the way they sound, you're not going to propose to them first time you have a date. You're, you're going to maybe get into a conversation with them. Maybe later on you're going to broaden it to have coffee. Maybe later on you'll go out to a movie or have drinks together. And eventually you'll start dating, and the dating might get warmer, and eventually it's going to be a relationship. And in marketing you don't go for marriage, but I'm talking about dating. Uh, If you meet somebody, maybe you're going to find that you fall in love with each other and get married. uh, Right. That's what marketing is all about, forming a relationship over time, not immediately, 
where you care about them and you prove that you care, and you're not talking numbers. Never, uh, I've been married a long time, and I love the Institute of Marriage. I've never talked about numbers with my wife, and uh, I, I don't <laughs> think that any any relationship people really do that. And in marketing, some people think yes, that's what you're supposed to do. But guerrilla marketing says no, it's much warmer than that. It, it's and that's why you have fun. People. Oh, you is that why you have fun? fun. Yeah. Yes. If, if you're if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> well, uh, you know. You, go ahead. I was going to say the thing that I'm greatest to, that I, I'm most proud of, and boy, oh boy, I don't know what I can do to get the people listening to, on this call or the people at Bob Bear's uh, event in Dallas. I, I don't know if I can get them to do this, but since 1971, um, I've worked a three-day week. From my home, three days a week, Mondays, Tuesdays, wow. Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I've done this, and I've had a whole lot of fun, and I've I've made money, but it wasn't about money ever. It was always about enjoyment, having fun. I don't mean necessarily fun out of fun. Instead, I mean it's fun to establish a relationship and to get to know a person because everybody you meet has a story. And if you find out this person's story, it's not going to be too hard to get a relationship going. So, so that, well, that's what I, I'm all for. Well, that's great. The, um, you know, uh, I would imagine, first of all, that having a re- building relationships is much more sustainable because it's easier to sell a product again to a person that's already bought from you at least once. Is that correct? That's exactly right, yes. Thank you for saying that for me. But that's on the button. <laughs> Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, you were you you were a psychology major, so I'm guessing you really liked the study of psychology because that's kind of what you use uh, to, to as the basis for how you deal with uh, people you're selling to. Is that correct? I, I don't really consider myself a student of psychology or a person who uses it much or thinks about it, but I am intensely interested in people. And as I said, I think that everybody's interesting, everybody's got a story, and I consider myself blessed to be in a business where I can learn about people and, as you pointed out, establish relationships with them. And the side benefit of that is I get to earn a living working from my home and traveling the world. God, you can't get better than that. But we've got, we've got lots of gorillas. When you pointed out 21 million copies of gorilla marketing have sold so far, lots of people are seeing that the way their parents used to do business, the way they learned it in school, isn't the way it's done now, and that's not the way it's going to be done in the future. And so do you think that the whole idea of adversarial marketing is, is a crotch? Uh, because I know you talk about alliances and affiliations and working with your competition in many, many times. Yes, I, I think it's more about love than hate. And, and I, think, I think when you've got people who you consider your competition – Find ways to collaborate with them and cooperate with them rather than battle with them. Uh, your whole life can be more stress-free if you, if you look at everything that way. It's not adversarial. It's an opportunity for cooperation. You hear about companies like Federal Express um, merging with uh, other huge companies. It's because they've got the same kind of prospects and the same kind of standards. And your job as a guerrilla marketer is to find other businesses that have the same kind of prospects as you, like in every nation and every major city on earth. There are things called leads clubs where lawyers and accountants and financial planners and insurance people get together and they say, hey, we've got the same kind of, we've got the same kind of leads. Why don't we trade leads each month at no cost? because we can each help each other. And because that yeah. makes sense, they try and they do it and it works. And then they have an idea. Guerrilla marketing is about what we call fusion marketing. You fuse your efforts with others rather than battle them. Oh, I love that. And that goes along with you. one of the tenets of guerrilla marketing. I believe it is. You can tell me if I'm wrong. And that's the focus on markets and target audience and um, not trying to be all things to the mass market. Is that correct? That, that that's on the button, JW. You, you've been doing your guerrilla homework. You, <laughs> you, you've got a down pat. That that's what it's really all about. It's not marketing the way it used to be, and many people are 
practicing marketing, according to what they learned in school, or what they learned from their last, last job. And it's not like that anymore. It's changed. And if you're not ready to move into the 21st century, uh, I think you're going to fall behind. And I think that a lot of the new things that have happened have made it easier for people. My God, the Internet wasn't even around when I wrote the first guerrilla marketing book. And now it's one of the parcels to making guerrilla marketing work. The social media wasn't around. Even television wasn't a big thing when I wrote guerrilla marketing. Uh, like those other things, like, like the social media and the Internet, television was is something that caught your attention. And it was easy to use, but it was easier to abuse. And so people made a lot of mistakes. And now they're learning, they're coming to the census, and they're not making those kinds of mistakes. And if they don't make mistakes, they're not losing so much money. If they're not losing money, they're going to have more free time. I consider, when I tell you that I work a three-day week, I consider free time far more valuable than a lot of money. And so... um <laughs> I, I, and I, I try to get people to, yes, earn a lot of money and, yes, breathe life into your dreams through work because work is really love made visible. But um, it, it, it changes your values. It's not just about money in offices and um, um, just building freedom into your life. I love what you said, that uh, business is love made visible. That's wonderful. Well, that's what it really is. And only now are people beginning to learn that. They didn't know that, know that when I was in school. They didn't probably didn't learn that. You weren't taught that when you were in school either. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. It, no, we didn't learn any of that. And what's funny about it is because I, a lot of people, when they start hearing love and business and these two words together, they start thinking, oh, my God, that's all woo-woo and that's crazy talk. But if you don't love your business, if you don't love your customer, if you don't love your product, if you don't love what you're doing, you're not going to be doing very well at it. Is that correct? That's 100% correct. sounded like you spoke that from your soul, and that's what begins. It didn't sound like something you necessarily learned. It sounds like something you figured out. And, yes, that's definitely correct. Thank you for saying it for me. Oh, no problem. I love the love word incorporated with business because it really is kind of the essence of it for me. Um, and, like you said, having fun at it and being and doing what you are in passion doing is uh, what makes your life a good life. Well, they say that if you, if you love your work, you never work a day in your life. Exactly, uh, exactly. I, mean, I sure enjoy what I do. I say I work a three-day week. It's not because um, I don't like my work. It's because I love my free time. I ski better now uh, than I ever did in my life, and I was a pretty good skier. I skied for my university, University of Colorado, but uh, I ski better now at my more advanced age um, because I have more time to do it and I've ridden every every Whitewater River uh, in the western part of the United States. I just, um, I've got different values than my parents taught me, and my parents did a heck of a good job, but they didn't tell me any of the things you and I are talking about right now. Wow. Talk about teaching. Uh, you taught for 10 years. At, at, we talked about this at uh, California, University of California, Berkeley, uh, and the saying goes, and I don't know if this, you, maybe you can tell me if I'm tr this is true or not, because it's uh, been stated that some of your students were people like Bill Gates, Michael Dell, Steve Jobs. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. I, I was teaching, of course, when I realized uh, after a few years that I was not only earning, I, I, I was working three days a week because I was protected from meetings and memos and committees and nice people come to, coming into my office to shoot the breeze. And I found when I didn't have those things happening, I could accomplish in three days, which used to take five. And I was earning more money than I did as the vice president, creative director of the largest advertising agency in the world. And uh, I thought, gee, I had to write a book about this because anybody can do it. There's nothing special about me. I was a pretty fast typist, but that's really all. So I wrote a book about that, which is called Earning Money Without a Job. People say, are you the guy who wrote the book about earning money without working? I said, no, you've got to work your tail off, but you don't get a standard structure, nine-to-five job. That led to me being invited to speak at the University of California in Berkeley. Uh, and I started teaching and then writing another book on that topic. And the people who were attracted 
to my class, uh, to my class, we're the people who are really interested in building big businesses as much as uh, having a fulfilling life. One day, the kids, well, the kids in my class asked me to recommend a book. They said, we all have good ideas, uh, holes in our Levi's, long hair, but we have good ideas, and we don't really have a clue how to market our businesses. Could you recommend a book? And like uh, a moron, I said, yes, I can, and I will, and I couldn't. Because when I went to the library at Berkeley or across the Bay and to Stanford uh, or other major libraries in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, in, in California, I came up empty each time because there were no books then. This was in the early 80s. There were no books written for people but with free ideas but limited capital. But I had made them a promise that I'd recommend a book, so I wrote one. <laughs> and I called it Guerrilla Marketing because I realized that these long-haired holes in their Levi's kids, they wanted the same things that many people wanted who were in school, but they didn't have the money. So I wrote a book, I wrote Guerrilla Marketing, which showed them how you don't need money to market uh, aggressively and to market intelligently. And these kids went out to found companies like Microsoft and Steve and, and, and Apple. Like um, when Bill Gates met me, he heard what I said, and he invited me to give a series of 12 seminars at Microsoft. Same thing happened with Steve Jobs. He heard me. He, he had me come in to give a series of seminars to Apple. It's happened to me all over the place. Uh, when big companies, my God, I wrote guerrilla marketing to combat the big companies, to help small businesses. But the Fortune 500 companies kept inviting me in to speak to them, too. They wanted also to invest less money in marketing but get more from it. And uh, most of them, not all but many, were workaholics, and they heard me speak with disdain about that idea and the fact that um, you know, life's too short to spend it on earning profits. It's not that hard to earn profits. It is pretty hard to have balance in your life. But right. My wife and I sold our home. We lived in the Bay Area for 34 years. And we sold our home and we bought an RV. And then we spent six years traveling back and forth across the country, back and forth, stopping at places like National Spar Parks and not just looking out the window and taking a picture, but spending six or seven months there. Wow. And I realized, and, and we wrote a few books while we were doing that and we were consulting, and we'd get to the nearest airport to fly to places like you know, Italy or France, or, or Thailand, or wherever they invited us, and um, we were living a, a really interesting but productive life when we realized that freedom isn't just in working a three-day week. Freedom is in being able to live wherever you want to live, visiting anywhere you want to visit. And when you visit these places, naturally the other people who invited you, they pick up the tab, so it doesn't cost anything to have those kind of free holidays. And my wife who'd never really been out of Daytona Beach, where she was brought up. She was blown away at the opportunity to, to visit all these worldwide places, speaking to people. Both of us were apprehensive, whatever you do about the language, uh, but learning that everybody speaks English. Uh, not everybody, but enough people that you can get by without language ever being a problem. I was um, speaking in Budapest not terribly long ago, and there were 300 people in the audience, and uh, the the man who hosted the, the, the event said, do you take questions at the end of your talk? And I said, no, not really. He said, I try to answer all those questions while I'm getting my talk. He <laughs> said, well, um, what if we keep the number of questions very limited down to like five? I said, well, for that, that could work. Um, and so after I finished, uh, they asked me, um, uh, I know I'd spoken now for three hours about guerrilla marketing, and uh, amazingly, Jay, he says of the of the five questions people have submitted, they're all the same question. So I thought, okay, great, I can probably do a good job of that. What's the question? The question is, how long have you been growing your braid? My braid was down to the middle of my butt by then. My wife was my barber, which meant she refused to cut any hair off my head. Um, in, 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 a, in a race with God because God was saying, lose your, I'm, I'm going to make sure you lose all your hair. And she said, no, 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 I want to make it pretty. <laughs> so it, it, that's what they cared about in Hungary was um, the, the length of my hair. And well, that's, that's really wild. Does Jeannie still travel with you? 
oh my God, yes. Traveling is so fun with her because, you know, if I could have a dream girl to have bring along on my vacations, I'd bring her. And because we are fervent believers in nepotism, we hired one of our daughters to be my speaking agent. And so they arranged for me to give a talk. They arranged for me to stick around in that area for about a week, staying at the best resort in the area on them so I can get a feel for the area rather than just saying, well, here's what Dallas is like. We sure know the airport well. Uh, <laughs> we go to places and get to know what's really around there. And so it's a joy to share those things with Jeannie, my wife. Now, her background is she's a nurse. But she also had a swimming pool company and one year sold more swimming pools than any person in America. I thought that qualified her to be a gorilla. Well, then I say, how'd you do that? And her answer is, I said, that's right out of out of gorilla mindset, what you're talking about. Uh, and so I, I've since invited her to write some of my books with me, and although she's a perfectionist and I'm not, we've managed to get a couple of bestsellers on the list, and uh, a joy to have her along on my talks. So, yes, she travels with me on every trip and makes it really easy for me. <laughs> I can't imagine doing this without her. But well, I how many years have you been married, Jay? Well, if I count both, I had a marriage that was 47 years long, and this one wow. which is 16 years long. So I've been married a long part, a great part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and, great. And, and, and we look forward. To, our business trips aren't what you imagine a business trip to be. They're like pleasure trips with a dollop of business tossed in. Last time I went to Dallas when I wasn't speaking for Bob, when I was speaking for somebody else, I had a chance to find out why Dallas is a wonderful place, why people would love to live there. And now I'm excited to get a chance to go back and really check that place out, and they'll probably supply us with a car and a driver, which makes it all the more easier. And so I love my life the way it is. I hope it doesn't end. Uh, unfortunately, I'm told it will. I, I just read uh, the other day that if you could live another 25 years from now, you can probably live another 1,000 years after that. And I think, ah, that's not so bad. Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking today, this morning, before we talked, how would I spend 1,000 years? Because I, I sure haven't been bored in the 79 years that I've had to spend so far. And I imagine there's lots of other things I'll learn to do. And I don't want to live a 1,000 years as a 1,000-year-old. I want to live a 1,000 years as a 31-year-old. Absolutely. I think I remember what a 31-year-old felt like. <laughs> in, in, my, in my heart, I do and am. I think that was probably the best year of my life. I had a poker game in San Francisco. Uh -huh. at my house for 20 years. And I asked, what was the best year of your life? And the unanimous answer was 31. I thought, that was amazing. No one ever discusses that. You don't read that. But these guys all figured out that that probably was the best of the years because you could still do a lot of the things. You weren't a beginner at most of them. But there were still so many new things coming out of the bike in the world that you could avail yourself of new technologies, new destinations, new ways to get around and new findings. I hate to use the word psychology. In psychology that help it, that make it easy for you to be married as long as Jeannie and I have. And so um, we're surely not blazing any trails except for we're walking on trails that other people have blazed for us with great, great gratitude. And oh, that's I, wonderful. I, I'm deeply indebted to you to give me a chance to talk about these things to your listeners, to your followers, and then to go to Dallas and speak about them in person. Um, the Bob Bears are wonderful people. I've spoken to them before, and boy, he sure has a, a good a, array of people who look upon him as a leader, and uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to be one of his followers, and I'm glad to That's great. Example. Bob was one of your, as I understand, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jay, um, but I understand, well, first of all, Bob is giving the um, uh, More Power Live uh, uh, conference, which is his first conference at this, at this size in Dallas, and the date of that is September 20th through the 23rd. 
2012 in Dallas, Texas, and you can go to um, uh, morepowerlive.com to uh, check that out. Um, also, you can check out Bob Bear's book, More Power, at Amazon.com or, or at Bob Bear's site, bobbear.com. Um, and it, he has speakers. I, I know you're the keynote speaker. He's got Steve Oshler. He's got Bob's going to speak himself, Laurel Langemeyer. Uh, well, we got uh, Adele Stunkart, Michael Levine, R.V. Robinson, Paul Mittenberger, Elena Fernandez, David Hancock. I mean, some wonderful speakers. Oh, and Ursula Magentes. Wonderful speakers. It's going to be a really great uh, few days to get out and really learn a lot about stuff and be able to get in front of you, Jay. Uh, how long do you usually speak at your uh, on keynotes? I'll say again. How long do you usually speak on a keynote address? I usually try to do it in an hour. Now, uh-huh. ask you try. How could you take 104 books and condense it down to an hour? And the answer is by taking the cream of what you know, cream of what you've learned, and try to express that in a way that people will understand in an hour. But that's usually how long I speak. And um, I sure that anybody who hears me speak here, they tell me that they heard me on your radio show. That would sure make oh, them very good. It shows that guerrilla marketing works, although we're not doing guerrilla marketing. We're just talking about something of mutual interest to us and uh, to your listeners. Still, I'd appreciate it if I could talk to some of those people about how to live a three-day-a-week life and earn more money than you ever did and have a ball while you're doing it. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, you're going to be able to, uh, you're going to stay around a little while? You're going to give the talk and leave? I'm guessing hopefully you'll no, stay around. No, no. I'm, I'm going to hang around afterwards. Oh, uh, awesome. There's nothing I'd rather do than talk to other gorillas. Oh, there you anybody, go. So if anybody <laughs> comes and tells me that I was on your show, you can be sure I'll have time for them. Wonderful. You heard it here. Go talk to go talk to Jay and tell him that uh, you're, you heard him on On Purpose magazine, and uh, he'll be happy to talk to you. Um, I'm going to change the direction just a little bit because you you brought up technology, and you know somebody uh, you know I don't want to say somebody of your age because that's ridiculous, but to be honest with you, generally older people are not embracing the technology very well. Even younger people want to embrace the technology and they don't understand it. And one of the issues is they think it's a place, and you teach against this in guerrilla marketing anyway, and that is to barf all their information all over people in this, you know, um, and, and hopefully that they hit the numbers well enough so, to make a sale. And I kind of believe, and uh, I believe you do too, that the Internet's a great place to meet people and build relationships uh, to sell to them later, not necessarily on the first call. Is that correct? That's exactly right. In fact, my definition, the gorilla's definition of what is the Internet, it's the first step in a relationship. It's not the whole thing. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not the goal. It's the first step in a relationship, and if people understand that, they'll go slower, they'll be more succinct, they won't waste people's time or their own time. But they didn't know that when the Internet first came out. Uh, It took quite a while. And the same thing is happening now with Facebook. Uh, Well, LinkedIn is a whole different animal, but people are beginning to learn how, how the social media differ from each other and there are ways to misuse it, and there are ways to use it, and there are ways to learn things, and there are ways to see um, how much weight your relatives have gained and what they've been eating in order to get that to work. Uh, I think people are learning about the Internet, uh, about, about the social media, and, and they're learning about it in slow motion. They, it's too complex to be learned about in a hurry, but if you go about it in the, in, in the slowly, you'll learn it brings a lot to, to, to your life. Technology, too. Technology, um, a lot of people embrace technology because they love the technology. But the truth is they should love it for the advancements, the changes, and the joy it brings to their life, not just for the pieces of hardware themselves. Yeah, Steve Jobs loved the hardware itself, but mainly he loved what it did for people. There's a story I love, maybe this may have been the Steve Jobs book, where a hypothetical conversation took place between Steve Jobs and Henry Ford. And Jobs said to Henry Ford, he said, if you ask people who buy your product um, how, how you should improve your product, what would they tell you? 
And and Henry Ford said, you know, I asked them, but they told me they wanted me to build faster cars or faster horses. He said, how about you? Uh, when you ask your customers, what do they tell you? And Steve Jobs said, I'll tell you the truth. He says, I never ask my my customers because you can't really learn from them because because customers know what they want, but they don't really know what they need. He says, but I think I know what they need, so those are the kind of products that I develop for them, uh, what they need. Uh, I don't think, you know, i5 came out today or tomorrow, and, right. and I, I don't think that Steve Jobs asked people what, what he should have. I think he figured what it should have, and I think that's what it's really all about. Think of what people might want. I think you're not going to get right answers if you ever... Uh, the people know what they will find out what they need. You're not going to get the right answers if you ask them what they want because they'll tell you a faster horse. And that would not have helped Henry Ford at all. <laughs> Nor would a, a faster computer have helped Steve Jobs. I, I think when they talk about thinking outside the box, this is really thinking outside the universe. And it start, starts with you. And if you've got enough faith in yourself and what you think and what you, what you have picked up as happening in the world, that makes it a whole lot easier for you to develop the kinds of products and services that they need, um, not necessarily what they want. Let, let me touch on this a little bit, Jay, because I found this to be true, too, and, and it's very confusing, actually, and maybe you can put some light on it. One of the issues that we're, we're taught recently is to stop uh, cold, you know, throwing stuff on people, what they call outbound marketing, throwing a bunch of stuff at people and expecting them to to click on your banner or answer your cold call or, or not throw away your, your junk mail. It really comes down to you really need to listen to the marketplace. You, know, you need to listen to your customer and see what they want. On the other hand, you just brought up a good point, and I found this out myself. When I asked clients of one of my sites what they wanted, they told me in no uncertain terms exactly what they wanted. They all answered the same thing. They wanted news, 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 news of commercial real estate. I have a commercial real estate site. They wanted news. And so I built the site around news. Do you know how many people go to the news section? Almost nobody. They They would rather speak in the forum about their deals. So they told me what they wanted. I built around that only to find out they really didn't want that. They thought they wanted you know, that. So how do you – you, you, go ahead. I'll tell you, JW, you, you've got to talk to them by asking questions. If you okay. ask questions, then you'll learn what's on their mind. If you learn what's on their mind, then you'll be able to determine what they need. Then talk to them about what they need. They'll be much more likely to talk to you about that than about, they, about what they want. And it's going to be much easier for you to sell people what they what they need. Guerrilla marketing says we're no longer living in an age where you sell people features, and you don't sell people benefits. That's so 20th century. Instead, you sell people solutions to their problems. They'll be very happy to tell you their problems, and your job is to come up with solutions to those problems. And you uh-huh. only learn what their problems are if you talk to them and then listen very carefully to their answers. What makes gorillas different from other people? Uh, one of the things that makes them different is they've mastered the art of listening. God, you're sure proving that you're a gorilla through and through. You're listening to what I'm saying, and I'm going on and on and on. And um, <laughs> uh, I still look at that. You can imagine how hard it'll be for me in Dallas. I've got to go on and on and on and stop at the end of an hour. So but, um, I, 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 I listened the way I got into this, this, doing this in the first place, you know who I was before I was Jay Levinson? I was James Bond. I, I, was, a, I was a member of the Counterintelligence Corps for the United States Army, and um, I, I would follow really interesting people and interrogate them and infiltrate their organizations, and um, I'd have to write a whole page and a half single-space report of each of my investigations. So although being James Bond was pretty darn interesting, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't as interesting as writing that page and a half of the report of my, uh, of my investigation. And, and so I learned how to be concise. And I turned that into a profession by learning how to write television commercials for, for products and going into advertising agencies and doing that. But the, the main point was I learned how to be concise. And uh, I'm that way in everything I do now. It sounds like I'm not too concise if I've got 104 books, but I've only authored half of them. 
we've got co-authors who've done the other half. And I think that's a real separate, a secret of success. Leveraging. Wow. <laughs> in everything, learning how to be concise. I think the big lie that people have believed up till now, up till they're hearing me speak on your radio broadcast to this point, they believe that time is money. That's that, that's so not true. The Roper pull, the Harrop pull, the Gallup, Gallup pull, the universities of Pennsyl- Pennsylvania and Maryland conduct studies each year on what people cherish the most. And back in 1988, time went to number one on the list. It's been number one on the list ever since 1988, and it will be for the rest of our lives. We now be, are beginning to realize that time is life. If you run out of money, there are lots of ways to scrounge up more. But if you run out of time, there aren't. So I'm trying to cherish the time of the people who I do business with or speak to on the radio or in books or at talks and I appreciate their time. I know they don't have a whole lot of it. My wife and I have eight kids. We don't have a whole lot of it. Twenty-six grandkids. So um, we really appreciate the the nature of time. We also know that those 26 grandkids are a treasury when it comes to finding out about technology, about the Internet, (laughs) about the social media. How does this work? And they all know how it works. That's a great thing that's happening in our educational system and process right now. I don't like the systems where the kids know way more than the adults. I need the kids to learn how to communicate in English for a moron like me to learn how to, to know what they know. Great. Let me, let me just talk about something, Jay, here, because I see a central theme happening, and that is the word leverage. Uh, you, you're teaching guerrilla marketing um, in a, about a little about leveraging, and I know that you were teaching guerrilla marketing courses and having, in fact, I think Bob Bear was one of your students who went out and, uh, you know, talked about guerrilla marketing after he took your course, whatever, I think you had a certified course of some kind, and you talk about leveraging in all kinds of different aspects here, whether it's leveraging your grandchildren to, to, to stay up on technology or uh, leveraging the uh, technology itself uh, to, uh, to start building the relationships. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. You, you know, um, I'm trying to be real honest with everything that happens in life, which is different than what really happens in life. Uh, for example, I write a lot of books. But the frustrating thing about that to me isn't just the fact. I mean, I love the fact that I get to write. I love to write. I'm crazy about it. And the books are as short as I can possibly make them, and they're getting shorter because I don't like to waste words or other people's time. But what, I'm, what I don't get much of, at least didn't until about three years ago, is feedback from people about the, uh, uh, the feedback that they get after learning what I had to try to teach them. And um, people like Bob Bear would sign up and come to not big lectures, but uh, private intensives that I have in my home. My wife and I, we limited to 10 people in our home, which is on a lake in Florida, outside mm-hmm. Orlando. And that give and take that I'm having with people, that's where I met Bob Bear. Uh, and I think you learn way more in a give and take situation with people rather than just by trying to teach them. Uh, I, I think that's where leverage comes in, too, because you know where they're coming from. You know what problems they're suffering from. And you know some things, not all the things that will solve their problems, but you know a lot of things that they don't know. And, boy, in a give and take with a small number of people, they leave with so much. So we have these things in our home. I'm not going to talk about it now. We have a website at gmarketing.com. We spell it that way because most people don't know how to spell gorilla. So uh, <laughs> G-marketing uh, uh, eliminates any possibility of them making a mistake. Anyhow, we owe the mistake. We, we owe the, the mistakenly spelled gorilla in every way, shape, and form. But we've been having these at our house uh, for the past about four years, and we invite small groups. We don't we we invite people, but we limited to ten. So uh, there are more than ten people who want to come. But um, we think it's going to be phony if we have you know twenty people. First time we did it, we had forty, and I thought, God, this is no way to have an intensive. Where it's really a great place to learn for people to get personal information. So now we we, we limit to ten people, and although we've done it in England and and Australia. Mainly, we like doing it from our home. 
And our home's a pretty nice place if you don't get eaten by the alligators. They're pretty big around there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jay, you know, when you, you – um, what was I going to say? Uh, these cor- uh, the, the, oh, shoot. Don't you hate when you lose your train of thought? <laughs> I, I know what that's like. I think when you know so much that it won't all fit in the same behind the same um, locomotive that you've got to learn that that happens happens to me. Take oh, okay. I, re- I remember. I remember now. It's like okay. So when you get these people in your home and you're you're and you're you're teaching them and doing intensive, is this a great place where you actually because you were talking about feedback? Uh, is this a great place where you actually learn? Uh, from the people that are using your systems and, and are out there in the marketplace about some of the new stuff you said you're going to be talking about at Bob Bear's uh, More Power Live? Exactly. Gosh, you hit it on the button, I'll tell you. When, when uh, an intense, it's only three days long. When it's finished, Jeannie and I talk about the things we learned and how bright these people are and these strides they can make. And just after three days, we... We hear about how much money they earn. Money is not our prime motivator. We learn how much right. money they earn the week following the the week following the intensive, because we try to learn from them. As I said, you're always trying to master the art of listening. So yes, when you teach, you learn. You know that Bob Bear knows that. Mm-hmm. I know that, and a lot of your listeners know that. And right. so we're trying to take that up to a higher degree by having these in-home intensives. And we were going to have four such intensives each year. We were going to have maybe one or two. But there seemed to be such a need for that, and the results that the people gave us were so outstanding that um, we we do it, well, we do it four times a year. And, um, God, we love it. They get a lot out of it. And the main thing is not, is not us loving it as much as the people attending getting a whole lot out of it. We would stop it if they weren't, but they are. So we keep on doing this, and you don't have to go through airport security, and you don't have to unpack. Everything's right here in our house. So uh, we treat people as though they're guests in our house. They're already treated like family. And wow. there's <laughs> there, there's nothing that's off limits. They can ask us any kind of questions about anything and get one-on-one information. So we do that. Well, I think one of the keys that people are learning nowadays more and more and more is you learn if you teach, and you knew that. That's why you, that's why you asked this question, and that, that that's what we learned. And certainly, we didn't learn this in school. We didn't learn this from our parents or, or yeah. history. So, you know, so, so Jay, um, if you know, I, I guess if you want to be a person who, you, if you've ever said, "I want to be on a fly on the wall in Jay Levinson's house," this is your chance, right? <laughs> yeah, this is a chance to be a fly on our wall. But um, um, you can ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you, you can you can ask anything you want, and you realize you're not going to see any flies on our wall, even though it's Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to learn a whole lot. You're going to get a lot of laughs. You're going to be incredibly comfortable because our living room is a lot better than. A, a teaching situation. You're going to be sitting, you know, on comfortable couches and having all you want to eat. So um, it's just a heck of a place to learn. It's, it's a heck of a place to teach. But if you're coming there to teach, we want to listen. But if you're coming there to learn, learn is what you'll do. And it won't be me talking like I am now. I'll get a lot of workshop exercises where you'll right. actually leave the intensive with a, with a a guerrilla marketing plan that you can put to work the next day, a guerrilla marketing calendar. All the tools of guerrilla marketing, you're going to not just hear about them, you're going to do them, and you're going to be able to leave the situation with those in your position. That's why people are coming from around the world. The one, the intensive we had uh, several months ago, there was uh, one person from America because the word is spreading around the world because it's hard to be a fly on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, let's, let's, let's go. I know you're going to be speaking uh, at Bob Bear's um, More Power Live, and you're going to be talking to us. Some of the things you said you're going to be talking about are some of the uh, incredible, yeah, I mean, because everything is like a pendulum swinging out there with marketing. Things are changing constantly. I don't want you to give away too much, but could you give us like a little hint of what, uh, of what that might be? 
Well, I'm going to tell them there's so many things they know and they think are right about marketing that are wrong. They're myths of marketing. Like people think you need money in all the market in order to market, but you don't. In guerrilla marketing, you need time, energy, imagination, and information. People think that um, uh, the people you've got to focus on the most are your competition. And I'm saying, no, that's not who to come Focus instead upon your potential allies. Those people can help you so much. And don't ask your customers to give you, to tell you what you're supposed to do. Ask what they want. Then if you can give them what they want, craft it for them and give it to them. There are so many things that I'm going to tell them that fly in the face of conventional wisdom. Almost everything. I mean, my God, I, when I say I worked at the largest advertising agencies on earth, I learned things that were wrong then, that, are, that, that, that were right then, but are wrong now. And I'm, Well, let's talk about that because, you know, you were the Marlboro Man guy, the Pillsbury Doughboy, Allstate's Good Hands, Jolly Green Giant. I mean, let's talk about failing towards success. How many times did your marketing efforts not work at all? Well, here's, that's a great question. I love it because I've got a real unique answer to that. Almost everything I ever did in marketing didn't work at first, but I had the patience to hang in there. The Marlboro is considered the best marketed brand in history. I'm not here to herald the, the benefits of cigarettes, but I'm here to let people know that if you don't have patience, don't go into marketing, go into farming instead. You, 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 don't, you need more patience in marketing. But Marlboro, uh, although we came up with the idea of Marlboro country and come to where the flavor is and cowboys, uh, and although the man became a cultural icon within a year, sales of Marlboro didn't change. Profits from Marlboro didn't change after a year. But oh. the hero of the Marlboro campaign, is it me or the guys who developed the campaign, or the chairman of the board of Philip Morris, the parent company of Marlboro? And he said, this is going to take some time. He said, uh, you told me I should be patient. I'm willing to be patient. <laughs> after, about 18, after about 18 months, the brand took off. Now it's known as the best marketed brand in history. And it, if you were a normal marketing person, you'd say, well, this didn't work you know, after three months. This failed after a few months. But marketing rarely works instantly. Now I know in commercial in real estate you want it to work instantly. But if you develop a different mindset, you know, if you go about things right, it works eventually. Not some of the time, every time. When I speak to Bob Bear's people, when I speak to one-on-ones of people who are at my house, I, I'm going to tell them that we now, the two great things about guerrilla marketing uh, is that, number one, it's so simple. It's so simple. The opposite of most marketing, which seems complicated. Uh, and the other thing is that it works every time they say go about things in the right way. Every time, not 90% of the time, 100% of the time, if you do things right. I'm going to be talking at, uh, especially in my house, but at Bob Baird's event, how to do it right. How to do it right isn't that hard, but part of the how to do it right is you got to have the patience to hang in there in the expectations it's not as that it's not going to happen in a hurry. The house my wife and I live in on this lake in Florida took us two years to buy it, and we looked for two years. All right. If anybody was in a hurry, they weren't going to sell them anything. But the guys who weren't in a hurry, they made a lot of money with what we bought. And in marketing, it almost always happens. It happens. If you use guerrilla marketing, it happens every time. If you do it right, most people don't have a clue how to do it right, but they think you're supposed to do it in a hurry. And it doesn't work in a hurry. It just doesn't. The things I talk about guerrilla marketing will not make it seem easy as pie because it's not. It takes a special kind of person to be a gorilla. It takes a special kind of person to just hang in there and have the patience. Well, uh, I guess it isn't. It's really not. A, it's not about instant gratification. It's about uh, having the patience to wait it out and and stay on course, right? It's about eventual gratification. I love talking to you because you get it so much. I'll tell you, JW, um, you understand the essence of what I'll be talking about. Oh, wonderful. And, uh, I hope everybody does. So here's me speak, and they're able to translate that into action, and they're able to translate it that into profits, and they're able to translate that into 
free time. My God, I, I feel so proud to say I ski better now than when I skied for the University of Colorado. It's because I've practiced a lot more since I was graduated because I have more free time and I have more free time because I have the patience to do the things I do and realize they don't happen in a hurry. Although, here's a shocker that flies in the face of everything I just said. I met my wife and married her on the same day. That wow. doesn't say anything for patience, but that's the whole <laughs> truth. Uh, that's incredible. I'm going to put you on the spot, Jay. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot a second here. Uh, most people, you know, they keep hearing guerrilla marketing, guerrilla marketing uh, flies in the face of, et cetera, et cetera. Can you give me a couple examples of guerrilla marketing that might get people to kind of wrap, be able to wrap their heads around just what you talk about? Gosh. Well, let's go back in the world of direct mail where people use stamps. Okay. Like books after books after books and experts upon experts that think they knew all about direct marketing, direct mail. Guerrilla marketing said, you know, if you're willing to invest in first-class dosage, which I think is like 44 cents, and instead Ridiculous. of putting a stamp on the envelope, put four stamps, put, put, put um, 11 stamps on the envelope that total 44 cents, you're going to get a much higher response rate. No one thinks like that. Uh, <laughs> th- th- it's just going about things in an unconventional way, not necessarily an expensive way. Uh, I believe that this is going to really fly in the face of what a lot of people think. They talk about, the, and I never want to badmouth the art of writing because writing is more important now in this century of email than it ever has been before. But I tell people, if you really want to succeed in email, your most important job is to get a list of people who want to hear from you so nothing you ever send will be considered spam. And then send them an email that's five lines long with a hyperlink that leads to your website. So this is not a two-page email or a one-page or a three-page email. It's a five-line email. We talked before about the value of being succinct. So say what you've got to say in five lines, which you can do. The majority of people won't really be interested in hearing what you've got to say, but a lot of them will, and those people will want to click to your website. It's estimated that right now, and here we are in 2012, it's estimated that at any given point, 4% of people want to buy what you're selling now. Another 4% need to know one or two more things before they're ready to buy. The other 92% just don't care. And you better not waste your time talking to that 92%. Talk to the 8%, the four who want it now and the four who are on the cusp of buying. Those 8%, that's where it's really going to come from in your life. Uh, in your life. And that's not what they teach, but that's, those are just some of the things in guerrilla marketing. that you, You've got to keep things brief. But with a purpose, and that you've got to be, you've got to have an eye towards reality. Because as good as your product, as good as your property, as good as your offer and your price is, uh, it's it's not going to ever be as important as the chemistry between the people talking about and the, your ability to give people what they need. And don't talk to them about what they want. They'll respect you more uh, morning if you talk to them to them about what they need. And guerrilla marketing gives you the chance to do that. You can do that as an expert because you can ask questions. And that makes you an expert on the person you're talking to. And if you're that, they say, uh, you've got to know your market. That means you. it's better to know something about your wife than everything about marriage. Uh, <laughs> That's great. I love that. I wish I could load up everything I say with, with real wise truisms like that, and I plan to do that, but we don't have any more time now. But I'll have an hour in Dallas. Oh, that's right. You'll have an hour to speak in Dallas and really get this stuff, as you said, succinct. Um, Jay, we're coming up on the hour, and I promise that I uh, would not take uh, too much of your time because I know you're a busy guy and you, you only have three days where you're working. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and and, and kind of stop here. But first thing, uh, one, one of the things I want to talk about, because it is September 11th today, okay? And I understand that you were in the military, and I am the founder of the U.S. Veterans on LinkedIn, which is about 30,000 veterans or so. Um, do you have, can you just uh, do a little shout-out to the veterans uh, uh, about, the, you know, the great work that they've done? God, I'll tell you, 
the, the veterans have done a lot for the federal progressive military has done such a good job these days of taking care of those veterans. And I know, because I was one of them, that's uh, a chunk of your life that you're giving up, but you're not giving it up. You're devoting it to a really higher purpose. Right. And I think you're, you're lucky that you get to participate in this and to be a veteran. Uh, you guys who are my age uh, now, they didn't want to be in the military for one reason or another. But those who were there are really grateful that they have because our nation took such good care of them and is knocking themselves out, trying to take even better care of them now. The fact that there's a raised awareness of what the government is doing for veterans and how much we know of the sacrifices they made and the lessons they learned in their time in the military I think that these are, those are golden times for those people. I lived in Europe, and I know that they don't have it like that in England, and they don't have it like that uh, in, in Spain and uh, in almost many countries, but we do. And I think it's great that you are volunteering your time, because I'm sure that's not a paid gig for you, no. uh, <laughs> to help people who really deserve the help. And the help is there, and it didn't used to be. I, I think that that's an important takeaway from this conversation we've been having. Well, that's great. I wanted to bring that up because I, uh, I'm a veteran. I believe in the veterans, and I know that you were one. And I'm so glad that uh, you were able to say something about that. But I also understand that Bob is offering military free tickets to this event, and I wanted to put that out there. That's typical of Bob. That's something he would do. That's a true rule of thing, above and right. beyond what a person would expect. You know, he always, Bob is the greatest guy. He's, you know, you'd never know that he was a guerrilla marketer, marketer because he's so quiet and unassuming. <laughs> Listen, guerrilla marketing is about love, not hate. And gorillas, <laughs> gorillas are gentle people. They're not, they're not uh, aggressive as you might expect a gorilla to be. And his son, Taylor, is the same way. Wow. Soft, gentle, effective, and brilliant. Anybody who has a chance to go to this event by Bob, I think they're blessed because they have a chance to do it before the world knows about it and the events are too crowded. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's make sure that uh, everybody knows where to go so that they can get in before it does get crowded because I know it's filling up fast. And that is morepowerlive.com. Uh, this is Bob Bear's B-A-R-E event um, with Jay Levinson, uh, Jay Conrad Levinson speaking, giving the keynote there. And that's uh, going to be in Dallas, Texas, September 20th through the 23rd. Um, so get on there, register now. If you're listening to this, you can on this site they'll have a place to register and you know, or click over to the site and do what you need to do. Um, so you absolutely need to be at this event if you're if you're having issues, if you're stuck doing the same thing over and over again and getting nowhere, uh, then you're you're hitting insanity and you need to go listen to Jay and and and, and turn your world around. Uh, also, G Marketing. Uh, dot com. This is uh, Jay Levinson's site. Uh, this is where you can uh, look at finding out maybe if you can get on. I'm guessing it's a long waiting list, but it's probably worth doing. And that is getting on your list to uh, do your in-home intensive. I, I hope people take you at, at your word because it's a life changer for a lot of people. I sure intend to make it that way for them, as I do in Dallas. But I'll have three days to do it uh, here in Orlando. And uh, Jay has said he's going to be sticking around. So after you get, instead of being whooshed off by a by a, a big black limousine after the show, which is usual in these events, Jay's going to stick around and talk to people. So if you're listening to this on On Purpose Magazine or anywhere else, make sure that you let him know that you heard us here, and uh, he'd be happy to speak to you or answer any of your questions or show you how long his braid is getting. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, my daughter cut my braid a few weeks ago. Oh, oh she no, no. That? She said, Dad, can I give you a haircut? I said, a haircut? I said, sure you can, Ginger. So she started cutting. Midway through, I said, Ginger, are you cutting my braid down? She said, no, I'm cutting it off. I said, did you talk to Mom about that? She said, no, I didn't. Oh, no. So are you going to put this thing in a, what are you going to do? Are you going to put it up on the wall in a, in a, a frame or what? It's hanging on the wall right now. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, as my says, when she looks at it, she says, up. Oh, Party in the front, business in the back. So um, that's, kind of, that's the kind of way it is. 
Yeah, it's on display in the house. You'd never know it's a person's grave because it's so long. But uh, do I miss it? Not really. I don't, I don't miss it. Except I look in the mirror and think I'm in the bathroom with a stranger. <laughs> That's incredible. Listen, Jay, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This is J.W. Nigerian of On Purpose Magazine speaking with J. Conrad Levinson, the author of... 104 different books, uh, the number one book, uh, 21 million sold, Guerrilla Marketing. Um, Jay, you've been exceptional. I feel so uh, blessed that I had you for this time. Uh, you're a warm and funny and uh, just intriguing man, and I really appreciate it. Well, I sure appreciate speaking to a kindred spirit like you, J.W. Didn't even well, know thank you. What, you were, what you were giving of yourself to the veterans on 9-11 but it um, makes me love you even more. Well, that's wonderful. Can I let you uh, go ahead and close out by giving us a closing thought? And my closing thoughts are that the world, since 9-11, is a different place than it was before that. And the world, since guerrilla marketing, is a different place than it was before that. And in the, the post-9-11 world, a lot of people are, operating according to new tubes, new philosophies that are working for them. And uh, I hate to put this on such a crash way, but it's so true of guerrilla marketing. It's changing the world in a better way, changing individual lives and families uh, in a better way. Imagine what kids think when they hear that their dad might only work a three-day week or a four-day week, or their mom might work abbreviated time so they have more time with the kids. I think the world is changing, and you and I, are really blessed to be part of it. Uh, and it's important that the people listening to this show and maybe coming to Dallas are the people who are tuned into the changes that are taking place because it's been fun up to now. It's going to be way more fun from now on in. Well, thank you very much, Jay, for those great words. Everybody have a wonderful day and an even better tomorrow. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you so much, JW. I sure appreciated being with you. I look forward to meeting you in person. Wonderful. I look forward also, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.